to get up and preach after that. Wow, I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the music. The orchestra did all right this morning, too, didn't they? I'm proud of our brass section over there. We can blow a lot of hot air up there. I praise the Lord for that. And we had a miniature choir right down here in the front, and I was playing, and I was hearing this beautiful music, and there was three boys right down here that were singing. Miss Kelly, you need to get them to sing us some uh, time in our service. They did an outstanding job. It is neat to have our children singing out for God's glory these good songs that we got to enjoy this morning. Praise the Lord for that. Well, there's been some themes of our messages uh, in song this morning, and one that the group just sang. He is all I need. Now, sometimes we don't live that way, but it is a truth. 
He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I was brought to tears as that song was being sung, not because of the quality of the song, but of the truth of the song. And then Miss Debbie up here singing that as she has been diagnosed with cancer, and she'll be having surgery on February 9th. And we need to be praying for Debbie. Thank you for singing that, and you just remember that song, all right? That's a true statement. And then also thinking of my dear sister, our dear sister, uh, Alicia Schick, who has been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and it has metastasized. And apart from God's intervention, her days are numbered. Of course, all of our days are numbered, aren't they? She told me, she says, you know, God has put a, a poll, a time to poll on the back of our, our shirts when our time is up here. And she's good with it. But we need to be praying for her and especially with Esley and George. And I wonder, as a church, that we might pray for our brothers and sisters that are in need this morning. Can we pray together? Father, we are brought to the reality of the frailty of our humanity and the finiteness of our lives There's a time for us to be born and there's a time for us to die. And Lord, we don't know what the full diagnosis is of either uh, Debbie or Alicia, nor of any of us this morning. For they could outlive any one of us that's in here this morning. But our hearts are heavy with the words that our brothers and sisters have uh, gotten word of this week. And even the renal failure of, of Barb and where she is and others that have gone to the hospital this week and those that are in hospice as we've had opportunity to visit several ones like Judy Skinner and, and, uh, and uh, Esley. And Lord, last Sunday night we had a wonderful prayer time praying for them. And Lord, there's nothing like seeing your hands of miracles that take place. But all of us realize that we are going to die someday And I'm thankful for each one that I have mentioned this morning are prepared to meet you. And they have a peace in their soul, no matter what takes place, that you are in control and that confidence that you know what's best. And so we lift up our brothers and sisters. And Lord, however it is that your hands will work, we ask that, Lord, that your grace and your mercy would be evident and your glory through all of this. May you receive the glory through our life and through our death. For, Lord, we want to bring you glory. Now, as we get into this message, Lord, I pray that you'll give anointing and strength and understanding. Lord, as we listen, and as we comprehend the word of God this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 4, if we can turn there. We've been in Ephesians chapter 2, and that is our theme, and I can read it again. We'll go back to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 19. Um, Not often do we take a whole month to reiterate our theme, but I believe it is a very important theme and one that we need to have before us, one that we need to understand. There in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 19, it says, Now therefore we are no more strangers and foreigners. Talking about the mix of the Jews and the Gentiles, actually. And uh, Brother Chris Morales did an outstanding job in Sunday school. My goodness. 
Brother Blaine, you would have enjoyed that. I know you go to a different Sunday school, but boy, it was it was rich. I was thinking of you, Ron, also as he gave this message about Israel and prophecy and uh, and all. And wow, I'm looking forward to February 15th when he is back with us. So. If you're visiting this morning, you just put it on your calendar. Be back here February 15th, all right? At least then, and if not late, earlier than that, that'd be great as well. But all of us just plan to be back. What a wonderful presentation. But he's talking about the uniting of, of uh, Jews and Gentiles. You can imagine the struggle that they've had as now Christ comes on the scene and the amalgamation of these two groups of people, the Jews and the Gentiles coming together. And those coming together who have been born again. Isn't that right? When we get saved, we are God's children And there is no nationality. There is no skin color. There is no male or female. There are His children. And He sees us as His children being born by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He says, And fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. We're built upon this foundation of the apostles And the prophets. And when we read this uh, portion of scriptures, we talked about his structure. What are we building? We are building upon his foundation. Amen to that? Had opportunity to visit with someone this week and talking to them about their need of the Savior. And we were talking about building And, you know, whenever you get into a discussion with people, there are many natural things that we talk about that can lead into a spiritual discussion. And I was praying about this discussion because my heart has been heavy for this man that he would come to know Jesus Christ as his Savior. And so as we're talking, all of a sudden we get into the discussion about foundations and how that's the most important part of the building. And I says, there's my opportunity. To share with him the Lord Jesus Christ. And I took him to what we had looked at already in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That there's no other foundation that can be laid but that foundation which is Jesus Christ. He's a sure foundation. Amen. Man, I can put my feet on that foundation and it's not going to sink. It's not going to crack. It's not going to fade or wither away. It is a sure foundation. And then I had opportunity, and Carolyn, this is an interesting concept that I would like to give to all of you to at least ponder. Because after we talked about the sure foundation, then it talks about what? What you build upon that foundation, right? And it's interesting. Diane, it's good to see you back here. Amen. I I never heard whether you made it home safe, and so I thought maybe you'd been caught in that blizzard that... uh, uh, but you got out of there in the nicotine, uh, nick of time uh, there. And, uh, and, and I got to talk to that person and, and listen to me. Now hear this. We are the ones who are building upon that foundation, right? And he tells us that we can go build gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Now I want to ask you a question. What does the world see? 
They see how we're building. Right or wrong? And sometimes you've heard there's hypocrisy in the church. And I've got to explain to this man. I says, you know, the problem is not the foundation. The problem is he's given to us a responsibility to build on that foundation. And not always are we building the gold and the silver and the precious stones. Sometimes you're going to see in Christians' lives wood, hay, and stubble. That is a good witnessing tool because people talk about, oh, I have been let down by a pastor or I have been let down by a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or I was in a church where they had all these kinds of problems. The problem is not the foundation. The problem is not the word of God. The problem is how we build. Let me ask you a question. Is it important how we build? It is because the Bible says that that building is going to be tried by fire to see what sort it is, Donna. And that which remains will be the rewards that we get to enjoy for all eternity. And I got to share with him the plan of salvation to make no mistake. Salvation is the foundation. It's Jesus Christ. No other way. What we build doesn't get us into heaven. That is what's going to be tried. And the Bible says he will be saved. I mean, if everything, all of his works, all of his buildings burn up, he will be saved yet so as by fire. In other words, he's going to make it into heaven, but there's not going to be very many rewards there, if any, that he'll be able to enjoy. So I got to talk to this man. And, and you know, have, have you ever asked someone, are you going to go to heaven? Do you know how many people, I think, I don't know what the statistics are. It used to be 80% of America said they're going to heaven. But then I asked, how do you know that you're going to get into heaven? And this is, Brother Ken, this is the common answer. I'm a good neighbor. I treat my dogs pretty good. I treat my dogs better than my wife, but I treat my dogs pretty good. Isn't that right? The golden rule, or whatever things to do unto others as you would do unto yourself. And, I, and, and, and pretty soon people are trying to get into heaven by their good works. Does that work? It does not work. Because the Bible says that even all of our good works are filthy rags in His sight. And if our good works are filthy rags in His sight, what must He look at our sins like? Okay, so we need to understand that. So I got to show him and and to all of us here this morning, if you were to ask that question. Am I going to go to heaven when I die and what is going to get me into heaven? It is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that was shed upon Calvary. It was his death there, his burial, his resurrection It is the gospel. It is the good news that I am a sinner, but God loves me so much that he sent his son into this world to rescue me. That's the only way to get to heaven. If you want to think there's another way, you'll have to take that up with God. Because he is the one who gave us that way. All right, we got it. And we, we talked about here this, uh, this aspect, and we've gone into those things, and we've talked about God's uh, purpose, and we talked about uh, 
God's part in, 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 in Him giving to us this foundation and giving to us His strength to build. And we, we talked about God's plan and that He wants to use us as a part of building God's uh, uh, building of a habitation. And, and God gives to us various responsibilities. Now, as a born-again believer, we become His children, yes, but we also become His servants. And those are... Uh, uh, descriptions of a born-again believer. Yes, a son, but also a servant. And last Sunday, was it last Sunday that we had Servants' Day? Yes. Yeah, some of you stop and stop and think, yeah. Oh, man, I've eaten breakfast since last week. I can't quite remember. <laughs> Seems like a lot has happened since last Sunday, I'll be honest with you. Last Sunday, we, we, we honored our servants here. And man, we have some wonderful servants. And, and we didn't show everybody up on uh, the slide, we just showed some of the leaders and some of those are involved, but uh, there are so many folks that serve here at Westside Baptist Church. And in fact, there are many people who have been a part of our building project. And I wonder if you have worked on the build. We have a work day, by the way, this coming Saturday. You all know that? Now, we're having a prayer breakfast at 8 o'clock at Hometown Buffet. And we figure that if we feed you, or excuse me, you have to pay for it. Uh, we give you breakfast at Hometown Buffet. You can eat enough to last you to two in the afternoon, all right? So make sure you come with that in mind, all right? And we're going to have a wonderful work day. But I wonder how many here, and just maybe for our guests that are here or for others to see, uh, not necessarily for a prideful uh, thing, but you've had a part in... Those work days, our missions teams by serving food, by being out there and and uh, swinging a hammer or digging a ditch or what are stripping stripping wire or or tearing up four thousand square feet of oak floor or whatever. How many here have has served meals or been out there in some capacity or prepared a meal and had someone else take it out there? Can I see your hands this morning? Y'all look around. Y'all look around. That's a blessing. Our guests that are here this morning, it's a blessing to have folks that are serving and all, in whatever capacity we can serve. It was exciting seeing the choir up there again, wasn't it? I mean, last Sunday it looked like the bubonic plague had hit our choir. I love our choir. I love the music that we have here at Westside Baptist Church. So God has a plan. God has a plan. And then we went into his strengths. By the way, when I take these reviews, this is why one message turns into five. But uh, I, for the sake of, of continuity of this message, we, we review this. Uh, and uh, that God gives us uh, an engine to build the strength, his strength. We talked about the effectual working. And then last week we talked about endeavoring, endeavoring there. And here in Ephesians chapter 4 now is where you might be in verse 2 and verse 3, endeavoring, endeavoring. And we talked about this word endeavoring is the word for due diligence. It's the same word that's used in 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show, work hard. That's the the idea, due diligence. Uh, Don't take this lightly. It's the same word that is used in 2 Peter uh, in uh, there, 1.10, where it says, wherefore, Brethren, give diligence 
to make your calling and election sure. Due diligence. Give diligence. We, we need to examine, does Jesus Christ live in my heart? Have I truly been born again? I'm not going to go to heaven on the coattails of my relatives. I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm a member of Westside Baptist Church. I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm a pastor or deacon or Sunday school. I'm going to heaven because of Jesus Christ. And we ought to endeavor or do diligence to examine, to make sure that Jesus Christ is real in our soul. And you invite Jesus Christ into your heart. It's real. Wow. Boy, it changed my life and it should change your life. That's the evidence of being born again. You are converted and uh, old things have Pass away, and behold, all things have become, what? New. One of the evidence of being born again is I recognize the difference between God's Spirit and my flesh. He still, I still, it's still hanging on here. One of the wonderful things we got to share with Alicia is, do you know the last enemy is death, that we're going to be able, that when, when death comes, we are going to shed this body? That's going to be a good thing, isn't it, Don? We get to shed this decayed, decrepit. I didn't pick out Don just to, 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 to talk about his body. But all of us understand that, don't we? We, we get to shed that. And, and we're going to be given a new body someday. And we're going to be in heaven with God forever. And that's the hope. That's the confident expectation. I, I, I have confidence that what God says in his word is true. And that's what faith is. You believe what God says and you accept it. And I've been born again by the blood. So we talked about this endeavoring, endeavoring. Now, let's go, as we talked about several of those verses last time, let's go now. Uh, You'll notice that in verse 7, every one of us has been given gifts. And so we talked about that as a part of, of, of how God has equipped the church. And we talked about this building, which is not a, a structure of material things. It is the structure of his children. And we have been gifted with those different qualities and aspects. And there's actually a list of gifts here that are mentioned. This is one of the places in the New Testament where spiritual gifts are list, listed. Uh, If you've never taken a spiritual gifts test, they're interesting and and not always conclusive. But to to, to know how God has gifted you and and it's given to you in your desires, your motivations uh, uh, to serve the Lord in those capacities. And then he goes on and he says he's given to some uh, apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastor teachers. All right, so these are the gifts, and an apostle is uh, the idea of one who is sent. Uh, an evangelist, a prophet, is one who, uh, we have to be careful about this word prophet, because uh, that gift of prophet is basically a person that is able to discern uh, uh, the rights and wrongs of things in a greater capacity in somebody's life. Uh, truly, they can... Uh, tell you, come alongside and you're in the hospital and they might not be the kind of person you might want to see. 
And they might say, uh, Brother Bob, uh, is there a sin in your life while you're in the hospital? You know, prophet might just come out and do that. They might just boldly say that. And, and, then, and then Donna comes up and she's got the gift of mercy. Oh, 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 Bob, you, I, he should have never said that to you. We need to understand that there are different aspects of how people will see the same situation. And sometimes that might irritate us. Why isn't everybody like Brother Smith? Brother Smith says, boy, I hope everybody's not like me. (laughs) But you, you see what I'm saying? So in the church, there are these different gifts. But he's given these gifts and then the pastor, which is the word for shepherd, and a teacher... And many Greek scholars believe the pastor-teacher is a, an amalgamation of one person where the pastor needs to be a teacher, proclaiming the words of truth. And so true, the prophet and the apostle and, and these people that are mentioned here, the evangelists, they are different aspects, but people that are handling the word of God. We bring in an evangelist in our church. I'm sure, uh, <clears throat> Brother Van Hooser, you had evangelists come in and they just seem to have a real gift of presenting the gospel and people would get saved. Do you remember that in your ministries? I mean, it was it was just wonderful. We usually have people getting saved and in greater capacities and when we have evangelists coming in. But then I want you to notice as we come up to our second line on our overhead up there on this, the reason why these gifts are given to uh, folks in the church these apostles and these prophets and these evangelists and these pastor teachers. Notice what it says in verse 12. For what? The perfecting of the saints. (gasps) You mean when I got saved, I'm not perfect? Would anybody like to claim to be perfect? (laughs) Now, the word perfect here is an old English word that's meaning mature. And so God brings uh, the men of God into the church. As Paul is writing to the Ephesus elders and the church in Ephesus, that he says, listen, God anoints and gifts and calls men to come in to help mature the saints. Now, that's interesting, Ron, as you think about it. When you are born again, what are you? A child. Did anybody birth a teenager? You see what I'm saying? When you are born again, you are a child. You're just a baby. And we had six of them. Our dear brother Chris has six of them. We all know they were babies and they needed to be nurtured. And so God is bringing out this, that in the church, we need to grow up. And is that a good thing or a bad thing? It's a good thing. I am so thankful that after I got saved, that the youth pastor took me under his wing and helped me grow. And when we have babies being born or people getting saved in our church, we don't just abandon them. We need to come alongside and say, how can I help you grow? Because you started a wonderful journey. 
we're not going to abandon our babies. By the way, God tells us to train faithful men who will be faithful also because the ministry of discipleship is so important. There are many people right now that we are discipling one-on-one in our church to help them to grow. And we have discovered that as they go through that, man, they learn things and they develop muscles and they get stronger. And I'll tell you what, you can never have too much of it. Now, I want you to notice here as this goes on. By the way, I have a different translation in verse 12. Their responsibility, talking about these uh, folks that are mentioned on verse 11 is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So as you read this, this perfecting of the saints, this maturing of the saints, is the idea is to equip them, to give them. So in this maturing process is to help them to grow so that they can be equipped to do the ministry. That's not a novel idea. But you know what, Brother Gary? When I saw this and understood this, this was, I don't know how many years ago, but God broke my heart that I was not doing a good job equipping God's servants. And I'm not saying I'm doing a great job right now, but it's one thing we need to understand it. <laughs> if you don't know where you're heading as a preacher, how can you accomplish what God has called you to do? You see what I'm saying? And so here, this this maturing process is actually the word of equipping. I don't know how many of you are familiar with our mission statement here at Westside Baptist Church. How many have seen it before, our mission statement? We used to have it in the bulletin every Sunday. We've kind of taken out because there's so much in the bulletin. But it is in our, when you join Westside Baptist Church and you go through the new members uh, orientation uh, to find out more about Westside Baptist Church, you will read it in that, that document. This is our mission statement. Listen to it carefully. The purpose of Westside Baptist Church is to glorify God by faithfully carrying out the Great Commission and fulfilling the two great commands. By reaching the world with the good news of salvation, by encouraging and edifying souls to spiritual maturity, and by equipping God's servants to faithfully fulfill their ministry. Isn't that a wonderful statement? What this church needs to be about. And we need to keep that as the main aspect of this church. We have what we call a hedgehog statement, which is, you know, we've, we've, we funnel this down. And what, what do we focus on trying to do the very best here at Westside Baptist Church? And if we were to give a hedgehog statement, it would be, Excellence in biblical truth, godly worship, and the good of others. May God help us to have excellence in biblical truth. And you're going to find out in this passage right here how important it is for the church that you go to that they expose or expound and preach the Word of God. And it seems like there's a dearth of the Word of God being exposed in the Scriptures. And we've gotten more into the entertainment mentality of our church rather than let's dig into the Word of God. Now, let's dig a little further into this passage while you're on that thought. Verse 13 says, and this is interesting, 
It says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. Now, to me, that's interesting. It's an interesting statement. He's saying, preachers, get up there and equip and help mature people. How many of you have had children? Do brothers and sisters get along well? I tried to kill my brother a couple of times. He was bigger than I was, and so I did not succeed. But I remember the fights of children. And so he is saying here, preachers, you need to help mature the saints. We as a congregation need to be maturing until we come to the unity of the faith. Now, Rose, this is an interesting concept because the word unity there is actually the agreement. In understanding that as we come in to a church, that there are all kinds of different ideas in the church, isn't there? And pretty soon we can say, my way or the highway. In the bond of peace. And so oftentimes we can have preconceived ideas. I like what you said, Brother Chris, this morning. That just because you hear something in the pulpit or you read something, it doesn't mean it's the gospel truth. And I had opportunity while I was on vacation to examine some information. And when you're examining it, the Bible says that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians in that they sought out, is this really true? Is what I've been taught, is what I'm being taught. The Word of God. Folks, we need to have discernment. There's a lot of stuff being written. There's stuff on television. And you need to be able to discern that. And it's the preacher's job to help equip you to bring you into this understanding of the faith. And you better have a preacher that loves the Bible and knows the Word of God and helps us. But sometimes a preacher can get it even wrong, right? I tell you what, I don't know about you, Brother Van Huser. But the older I get, the more I'm wondering, am I getting that story right or not? You understand that, don't you, uh, Wayne? The older we get, pretty soon our minds get a little foggy. And some of you, I, bless your heart, you have gotten so good to interpret your preacher when he says Noah and he should have said Moses. You know what I mean? <laughs> so sometimes we get those things wrong and... Not intentionally. And, and I'll tell you what, I would never want to intentionally mishandle the Scriptures. And while I was gone, I examined some things. I read some books and things like that. And good books and, and things like that can, can be tweaked just a little bit in the wrong way. And what I discovered, I don't know if you've ever discovered this, Brother Van Hooser, but there is a difference between objective faith and subjective faith. There's a difference between letting the Bible, inducing the Bible and deducing the Bible. And so often what I have found in, in things that I've read is sometimes people have preconceived ideas and they make the Bible fit their preconceived ideas. Now, I'm sure I've done that. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Now, sometimes it's okay and sometimes it's not. We need to read the scriptures for what they say. 
And sometimes our preconceived ideas can have us reading into scriptures private interpretations. Does the Bible warn us against that? It does. The Bible was not given for private interpretation. The Bible was given to rightly divide the word of truth. And a preacher, and that was given, by the way, that scripture is given to Timothy. Timothy! Or any teacher of the word, you stand up and you give the word of God out here. You better rightly divide it. You better preach it right. That's an awesome responsibility. And it's a great privilege too, isn't it, Brother Chris? Great privilege. So, this idea of building up this body of Christ. Notice what he says. Till we all come in the unity of... There can be disunity. There can be disharmony. There can be people saying, I think it's this way. And I, can, I say it's this way. The Bible is the final authority. But then he uses this word, and it's an interesting word. It's not the normal word for knowledge, knowledge or know. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a specific word. Uh, and it's used quite regularly, though. It says, and of the knowledge. Spencer, you know what that word knowledge there comes from? It comes from a Greek word that means Precise knowledge. Correct knowledge. That's interesting. He says if we're going to have the unity and we're going to get in, we need to make sure that we're into objective truth. And we need to be careful about our subjective truth. That maybe it is how God is dealing with your heart about a matter. And you need to be obedient to how God deals with your heart about a matter. But God can deal with Brother Blaine in one way and he can deal with uh, Brother Vern, another way. And there's the same truth that's there. And there's a principle and there's a concept of that truth. You all can be sitting here in church and the preacher's up here preaching. And, and this, this side of the congregation is thinking, wow, I need to get this right, this right, this right. I need to take care of this. And over here, they're saying, you know, man, God is so wonderful. Isn't this amazing? And you see what I'm saying? That can be going on right now. And I'd hope it is going on. What am I getting out of this message? What am I learning? What am I listening to? How am I understanding? And we ought to be praying before we even come to church. Lord, help me to understand. Because even as a preacher gets up there, not always is the filter correct in the understanding. Does that make sense? I teach communication with our Red Cross and instructors had an opportunity for three days now to teach instructors and instructor trainers for the Red Cross. And as we talked about communication, people look through different lenses and they understand differently. And you here this morning, there's different levels of spirituality. There's different backgrounds. There's different educations. There's different languages. We have folks in here. Uh, Brother Shige, Brother Shige. Ah. <laughs> Last I checked, it was Sister Shige. Uh, sister Shige, she brought up her testimony and she showed it to me. She says, man, I want to send this to my friends in Japan. I looked at it and I says, I hope they can understand this. <laughs> but sometimes in language barriers, there's ways that a communication, even in the language structures of different languages, how they put the direct objects and the verbs and the subjects and things like that. And so sometimes there's language struggles that people go through. Isn't that right, Miwa? Yeah. And, 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 and praise the Lord that God can help us in that understanding. And, and we need to pray as we pick up our Bible. Lord, help me to have understanding. 
So this idea here of the lenses and, 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 and it's so important. And notice what he says here. And of the knowledge, that's that precise knowledge of who? The Son of God. Once I finish, uh, I believe next week I'm going to take a, a little addition on here is what is the glory of God. But we are studying who Jesus Christ is. And it is so important for us to understand who Jesus Christ is. He says, unto a perfect man. Again, this idea of being mature. Man, we, need, we don't need garbage. We don't need fluff. We don't need story. We need the Word of God so we can mature unto the measure of the stature. The word stature is this idea of growing. So as we study the Bibles, we study Christ, the stature unto the fullness of Christ, being filled with the right kind of truth, will change how you see this world. And the more we grow and the more we understand the Bible, hopefully, the better we see life. And I believe that's why Elisha, a life that has been given to the Lord and in finding out what the Bible has, she can have a peace right now of whatever God does because she's had a life of trusting Him. Wow. That's verse 13. Verse 14, notice what it says. That you... In other words, all right, God has given to our churches those that have been anointed and called to be these gifted uh, prophets and apostles and evangelists and pastors and teachers so they might equip the saints and mature them so that they can go out and do the work of the ministry so the body of Christ can be built up and come to this unity of the faith by this exhaust, or not exhausting, but this perfect knowledge of the Son of God so that we might mature and be measuring unto the stature that we might be growing up in our stature of who we are, not physically in our height or in our weight or anything like that, but in Jesus Christ, that we henceforth be what? No more children. Now, he describes here the activity of a child. That we henceforth be no more children, what? Tossed to and fro. Back and forth. You know, that's a hard way to make progress in your life if you're just going back and forth. And you know, most of us in here have experienced the back and forth motion of trying to understand what God has for us in our lives. Don't be tossed. And this, this word tossed is you're like a ship. And, and by the way, uh, the, the reference of the fullness of Christ is, is also like a ship that is filled with cargo, the right kind of cargo. And he's talking about this ship. And I don't know. I, I'm, I'm not a, a mariner or anything. And I'm not sure that God is implying that here's this ship that's full or this life that's filled, that it has greater stability. I, I know he's saying that. But is it possible that an empty shift is more succumbing to the waves? 
And there's going to be things coming your way that's going to knock you around. And you're going to wonder, what in the world is happening? I've given my heart to the Lord, and now i got a flat tire. Do you know some people struggle that much with the difficulties of their lives? Rather than being able to praise God and have stability. How many would like to have stability in your life? You're not being knocked around by everything that comes your way, by every wind of doctrine. Well, maybe this might be right. That's a new idea. And this is, by the way, churches are chasing after new ideas. They're just being knocked all around. (laughs) Christians. Let me finish reading this. We henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men and the cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive. How many think that sounds like a warning? My friend, in the end times, the Bible says that people will not endure sound doctrine, but they'll want to have their ears tickled by every fable that's out there. My friend, you want to endure in the end times here. You need to know your book. You need to know what God says. And you can look at something and you can examine it through the lens of the Scriptures and you can decide whether this is right or wrong. You're very vulnerable And that's why God helps the preacher to come alongside and mature Christians to come alongside. Doesn't the Bible talk about mature Christians helping those younger in the faith? Come alongside. And you know, listen, to you who have just gotten saved or to you that have not been discipled at all, let someone come alongside and encourage you and strengthen you. We have in this room an amazing level of godly men and women. That could come alongside and encourage you in your walk. The devil likes to get you out there all by yourself. That's why sometimes he tries to keep you from church and keep you from your devotions and keep you praising God and everything. My friends, God intended us to come together. That's what the word church means. Assembly. That we can be strengthened in the Lord. Carried about by every wind of doctrine. They lie in wait to deceive. Verse 15, But speak the truth in love, may grow up into Him in all things, which is the head of Christ. Head, excuse me, even Christ. Notice what it says there again. But speaking the truth in love. Have you ever had a difficulty Encouraging your children in love. (laughs) Now, that's not saying, Junior, I love you. Bend over. Right? Bible says if you don't love your child, you I mean, if you don't spank your child, the Bible says you don't love your child. I don't think I read that in Spock lately. Interesting concept. 
So speaking the truth, love, like you were talking about widows this morning and how we misunderstand. And he did. He mentioned about love. You know, we have a faulty view of what love is. May God help us to understand what love is. Love is truth. I, hey, listen, uh, as, I, as I go through this, he talks about growing up here. And, and he talks about edifying. He talks about building up. And he talks about the increase and the, the idea that the body is growing. It's not necessarily numerically. It's talking about us spiritually. Preachers preaching the word of God. There's words that are used in the Bible that are used interchangeably, but let me give them to you as, as the idea of these words. And uh, 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 the Bible says, exhorting one another. That means good job. Should we come alongside and exhort one another? Yeah. Edify. Let me help you do a good job. That's the idea. Building up somebody else. Let me come alongside and help you. Is that a command for Christians to do? It is. The idea, let me come alongside. The the idea is the act of one who promotes another's growth. And then encouragement. Good job. Now, if it wasn't a good job, should you say it was a good job? There's a lot of fluff out there about talking about good jobs, isn't there? Proverbs 27, 6 says, faithful are the wounds of a friend. How many like someone to come and correct you? <laughs> oh, we better not raise your hands, all right? You know, there's a lot of resistance for someone coming along and trying to encourage you in the right direction. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. God wants us to assemble together. Notice this verse. And let us consider one another. He says, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. That's in, I think it's the next verse. Or it's in this maybe a part. Uh, is it the next verse? Right. Next verse. Uh, Hebrews 10, 25. He says, and let us consider one another to provoke Now, I I better be careful because I was just going to ask how many of you husbands have a wife who provokes you, but that would be not kosher right here, all right? You know what the word provoke means? Irritate. He says, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to what? Good works. So you come to church and the preacher gets up there and he says, man, I feel like the preacher provoked me. Good. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you say, why is that really there? Yeah, it, it means to incite, to irritate. <laughs> it's not fluff. It's got to be truth. And we need to be mature and grow up when a child, you know, when a teenager becomes a teenager, sometimes they don't like to be told rights and wrongs. Uh, but how many of us adults maybe have never grown up? And you know, the sign of humility is that we can take some things that are being said to us and look at it honestly and sort out the right and the wrong of those things and let God's Spirit help us to sort those things out. And to all of us, we can put our pride up there and say, nope, 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 you're not going to prick me. Well, I want to encourage you. Church, let's grow up. Preacher. Well, thank you, Diane, for saying that. 
Did you hear what she just said? I am irritated. Good. Yeah. By the way, are we all a work in progress? That's our theme this year. We are under construction. Father, I pray that you'll help us now. Ah, Just to follow you. We're going to sing, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Lord, help us to grow up. Help this preacher to continue to grow up. Lord, I think sometimes as the older we get, the more we realize that we haven't arrived and we might be in a lesser grade than what we thought we were in. When some things that we should have learned a long time ago continue to take us by surprise. I thank you for your patience and your mercy and your grace. Help us to be honest with ourselves. And right now, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, there's nothing more important for you to be honest about then where are you going to spend eternity? How would you answer if God asked you, why should I let you into heaven? If you give any other reason but that the fact that you're putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it is a wrong answer. Jesus Christ died to save you. And this morning as you examine your hearts, and the Bible says do it diligently. You need to make sure that you see Jesus Christ in your heart. Maybe you're just a little infant right now and you just got saved. And maybe that evidence isn't right there. But as you grow and you have a hunger for the Word of God and you really want to grow up, that's a part of a healthy spiritual life. And you'll fall on your face and you'll do things that are wrong. And maybe sometimes you'll question, well, maybe I'm not saved. Well, listen, that's one of those evidence that when you question, you see the rights and wrongs. That's a part of life. Because you want to please Him. So make sure that you've been born again. And then come whatever God would have in your life. Father, I pray that folks will turn their lives to You in whatever capacity. Take our lives and let it be consecrated, Lord, to Thee. Thank You, Father, for the truths. Thank You that we get to sit today and, and just look at Your Word. I pray that You'll help me as a pastor to be doing what I'm supposed to be doing, and that's equipping the saints. Thank you for that privilege. And now, Lord, as a church together, we grow up together. We're a family together. Oh, there can be squabbles, and sometimes we'll see the wood, hay, and the stubble. But, Lord, you help us to grow up for you because it is about your glory that people will see Christ and get saved, see our light, not the darkness, but see the light in our lives and want that light in their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. The invitation is simple. If God spoke into your heart, don't leave today without doing something about it. If you want to make sure that you're going to heaven, please visit with us now in this invitation time. You can go to the back or come here to the front or visit with me before you leave. If there's some prayer requests that you have, there's some needs, or maybe God just spoke to your heart saying, you know what? I need to get busy about growing up. This is pretty important. I don't want to be tossed all over the place. Let's make those decisions. Let's stand together as we sing this verse. Take my life and let it be. Take my life and let it be.
That's a good prayer, isn't it? I hope that as you sang that, that was your prayer as you gave it this morning. Before you leave, you understand that we have a potluck today. We want everyone to stay engaged with that. Uh, Just if there's other needs that you have, please visit with us before you leave. They tell me that there are more baby bottles there for uh, uh, Dove Medical Center. There's more directories in the back. Uh, there's a leadership conference sign up there in the back. There's the men's prayer breakfast. I think you can just show up for the men's prayer breakfast. And there is a sign up for uh, the work day, I think, though, and the cold and shows. And that's 65 and older, the love of God banquet. And then the 45 to 64, that's the young at heart. There's a love of others banquet. And that information is in there. And then the home builders, which is 25 to whatever, if you still got kids, all right? And they've got their banquet, and they call it the hole-in-the-wall banquet. So I thought that was a little tongue-in-cheek there. But anyways, may God help us. You read over the bulletin. You are dismissed. Appreciate that, Carolyn. Thank you for having a tender heart. Me, yeah, we all may he engage us. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Yes. Yes.